War II Memorial, as many as possible. And it's amazing seeing the life that it breathes into him. Come on, that last quote is so powerful. I feel like a king. Come on, keep that in mind tonight, because I want to hit on a king in the Old Testament. You should have you've probably heard of him, David. But he was, he was anointed as king. He was hiding in a cave. He was in a, a terrible time in his life. And it's because of the service of three mighty men that he, again, re-embraced his calling and had life breathed into him. And the passage we're looking at tonight is 2 Samuel 23, 13 through 17. The sermon, if you're writing down title, is From Adulam to Adulation. Come on. 2 Samuel 23. It's, it's a prequel text. If you're thinking prequel, think Star Wars. The later movies happen first. Come on, the ones that ruin the franchise. Those are supposed to happen first. That's how this is. This happens in 2 Samuel, but if it was chronologically placed, it'd be somewhere around 1 Samuel 22. And it's when David is running from King Saul. King Saul is out to murder this guy. He's not hiding in a cave to play hide-and-go-seek. He's hiding for his life. And when we turn to 1 Samuel 22, where it would be chronologically, we see the kind of people that showed up to be there with him. And there's a ton of them. So we're like, all right, that's good. He's got people who are going to be there to encourage him, lift him up, help him. But then we see in 1 Samuel 22 too, the kind of people that were there, the people that were in distress, in debt, that were discontented. Come on, those are three Ds you don't want with you when you're hiding in a cave. Come on, there's some Debbie Downers in a cave with David. Come on, so he's already stressed out. And then he's got all these people on top of that. And then on top of this, the Philistines have his hometown of Bethlehem, where he probably still has friends, maybe still has family, under siege. So this is a, it's just a stressed out time in David's life. And really, it's, it's a climax point for, for God's will for his life. Is he going to go forward and be king, or is this going to be a time where he just says, you know what, enough is enough. But thankfully, what I want to look at tonight is there were three mighty men there with him who knew the power of service. That service is more than just meeting somebody's temporal needs. Service is a way that the living water, eternal life from within us, can flow out and touch somebody and reconnect them with, with the life that God offers. Come on, if you were here last week, you were blessed. <laughs> Come on, if you were here last week, you heard Nick bring a sermon that was off the chain. So if you weren't here, podcast it. But he says, your life needs to have flow, the fullness of eternal life flowing out of you. And as we start this Rivers series this summer, that's the idea behind it, that our life needs to have flow, the fullness of God, the fullness of eternal life flowing out of us. And we're going to look at what our church calls the 12 pathways, what I would even call this summer 12 conduits, come on, 12 riverbeds through which the, the eternal life within us can flow out and touch other people. Come on, scripture, prayer, fasting, worship, generosity, reaching. And service is just one of those, one of those conduits through which life can flow out of us and touch some people. So you already get to the text. Come on, the more you guys talk back, the quicker I'm probably going to go and the quicker we can get to some food. And the more active you are, you might burn a couple calories before you go in and consume a couple hundred. So come on, y'all can be active, y'all can be active. But 2 Samuel 23, 13 through 17 says, During harvest time, three of the 30 chief men came down to David at the cave of Adullam, while a band of Philistines was encamped in the valley of Rephaim. At that time, David was in the stronghold, and the Philistine garrison was at Bethlehem. David longed for water and said, Oh, that someone would get me a drink of water, from the well near the gate of Bethlehem. So the three mighty men broke through the Philistine lines, drew water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem, and carried it back to David. But he refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out before the Lord. Far be it from me, O Lord, to do this, he said. Is it not the blood of men who went at the risk of their lives? And David would not drink it. Come on, David's in this stressful situation. Somebody's out to kill him. He's surrounded by other people who are stressed out. And his hometown 
is under siege. And he says, man, if somebody would just get me a cup from the wells outside of Bethlehem, that's significant to him. This is David. He used to shepherd sheep outside of Bethlehem. He used to, in a life with less responsibilities, take care of sheep outside of Bethlehem, take water from these very same wells. This is him saying, man, if I could just go back to a time when life wasn't so complicated, when I didn't have so many responsibilities, when everybody around me wasn't freaking out, come on, if I could just go back. And he's a poet. He wrote psalms. He's given to these tendencies. But none of us are immune to it. Come on, I went to Dylan Cologne's graduation. He graduated from Grafton High School a couple weeks ago with Nate and Cord. And we were there, and I'm sitting there like, man, if I could just go back to high school, when, you know, like your future is wide open, you don't have all these responsibilities, you don't have a mortgage payment, and it only, it, only, it only took me about 30 seconds to realize, no, my life now is better than it was when I was in high school. <laughs> no, I'm better off now with my wife, with my house, with my church. And the fact that I've walked into God's calling for me, I'm better off now. But David's having one of these moments where he's like, man, if I could only go back when God was calling him forward, calling him forward to be king. And luckily, he was surrounded by three mighty men, again, who understood the power of service. And they're like, how can we get David out of this funk? And they're like, why don't we just go get him this cup of water? So this is a picture of where they think possibly David was. There's a bunch of caves around here, and then there's, they know approximately where the wells outside of Bethlehem were. It's 13 miles in between those. Anybody here run? Two, three people, four? Come on. I need every man here to sign up for my life group. It's only like two or three of you. I saw your faces. If you don't sign up, I'm signing up for you. That was a trap. No, just kidding. Just kidding. But has anybody here run a half marathon? Nice. Anybody run a full marathon? Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You. Congratulations. Four. I was about to be like, yeah, I ran one too. I ran one. You ran four. You win. But uh, has anybody here run a marathon while being shot at? No? I mean, maybe somebody chased by our very own Kevin Tully. Officer Tully, by the way. He has a badge. Nobody? He's sitting right there. Nope. But uh, these guys go 13 miles and on the way to the well, they have to break through the line of one of the, the greatest military, militaries of that time, the Philistines. They break through that line, they go all the way to the well, dip a cup in, and then are running back, you know, dodging arrows, trying not to spill it, jumping over rocks to get to the cave. I mean, is this even reasonable? <laughs> I mean, some people would say, no, that's just crazy. But, uh, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know if I could do it. But, but to me, it, it's such a high level of service that it's heroic. And it could teach us things about how service is meant to flow out of our lives and touch the people around us. And the first point I want to look at tonight is that service is an overflow of external actions from an inner attitude. Come on, when David said, man, if somebody would just give me a cup of water from the well of Bethlehem. It's not like the mighty men were like, yeah, that would be cool, huh? Yeah, I mean, it's good water. Too bad we don't have any. No, these are men of action because Because sympathy is no substitute for service. Sympathy is no substitute for action. These were men of action. Sure, they had an inner attitude, you know, I want to serve. But they were going to go out and do it. And I love it. These guys are bad. They went out, went 13 miles to get a cup of water, risking their lives. Not a jug. Not a bucket. Come on, not even, you know, I don't know, a backpack full of water. No, just a cup. And if I'm going to risk my life for some water... I'm going to take an 18-wheeler with a tanker on the back and fill it up so I can, you know, have water for everybody in the cave, make it worth my while, risking my life. But they just go out for a cup, and they bring it to David as if to say, hey, if if you want another, we can go get it for you. Come on, because these are men of action. The men of action. 
And the second point we see is that service pours into both the greatest and least of people in the greatest and least of needs. You see, David could have said, man, I wish somebody would just go up into Bethlehem and beat up all these Philistines and get them to mess out of my hometown. Because that would have been epic. That's something you make movies about. You know, they make movies based on that kind of stuff. But he just asked for a glass of water. How many people do we pass during the day that just, want, just need a glass of water? Come on, my, my point is, maybe we're not serving kings and their, their epic needs. You know, maybe we're not called to the trenches, but we're probably called to the white picket fences. Come on, there's different arenas of service. Your neighborhood, your, your church, your workplace. There's all kinds of arenas, and they're all equally important. And we don't just serve leaders. We don't just serve pastors, people that can pay us back. We serve people that couldn't bless us back even if they, even if they wanted to. That's the third point, that service flows unconditionally, expecting nothing in return. Come on, how many of us have, have poured service into causes or relationships, and then all of a sudden it feels like somebody took the cup of our service and just poured it out? Come on, relationships we poured ourselves into that, that failed, Marriages we pour ourselves into that might flounder. Children we pour ourselves into that maybe go the wrong route despite all the efforts to raise them. Come on, I don't have any kids, but I serve in youth ministry. And I've seen this where we serve a kid week in and week out, sometimes day in and day out. And yet still, they just go off the path we don't want for them, the path God doesn't want for them. And I used to think, man, if I could, you know, this week, I'm going to get them from point A to point B. Or this summer, I'm going to get the youth there. Like there's, there's a there. And it's good to have goals but God just impressed on me, like, look, I'm the one that's going to get them there. I'm the one, God, that's going to get them from point A to point B. You just serve, and don't worry about the results. You see, as Christians, we don't serve just to get results. So It's so easy to go into something knowing the results you're going to get, the outcomes that you can measure. But as leaders and as Christians, as believers, we just serve because it's the right thing to do at the moment. And whatever cost there is, that's what makes that sacrifice and that service sacred. And, and we just offer the results up to God. You know, this might hurt. This might cost me. It might not even get the results I want. But it's the sacred right thing to do to serve in this way. And when you serve in this way, this selfless way, that's just seeking to glorify God, it can spark something in people. It can spark in them an inherent thirst for God. And that's what I want to drive home tonight. They bring David this cup, and he realizes, man, these guys went through some stuff to get me this cup of water. Come on, only God, he's, he's thinking, is worthy of this kind of sacrifice. And, it, and he makes sacred use of it. He pours it out. Now, if I was there, and I just got in this water, and he poured it out, I'd be like, oh, no, he didn't. Did, did, he, did, he just, did, he just, did he say that was one for the homies and I just didn't hear it? I mean, did he, did he really just pour that out? But no, these people, the people that were in the cave with him, and, and the three mighty men would have recognized what he was doing. Common, a common practice in that day is what was called a drink offering. It was common to the Israelites, it was common to the cultures then, that you would take some of what you're drinking, whether it was wine, water, whatever, and pour some of it out before God. Just saying, you know what, I recognize that this is, my whole life is, is from God. Everything I have is a provision from him, and it's an act of worship. David takes what these three men did and turns it into an act of worship. Come on, these three men serving turned a cumbersome, stressful, you know, stay in a cave for David into into an act of worship, a sacred, holy moment. Their service set him up for the supernatural. Come on, in their quest to quench David's physical thirst, they in fact delivered him something to fuel his spirit. That's what we can do when we serve. That's the kind of effect we can have on people. And there are some <laughs> super spiritual commentators who perhaps are right, but they say that David, when he, when he asked for this cup of water, 
from Bethlehem. He was actually talking about the, the Messiah that was to come, that was prophesied in Scripture, that would hail from Bethlehem and provide living water. Now, I don't know if I'm ready to make that leap, but it does call to mind the passage that Nick hit on last week. Again, podcast it. It was good. John 4, 13 through 14, Jesus is talking to the woman at the well. And he says, whoever drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. My nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and finishing his work. Come on, Jesus' life was dedicated to serving the work that his father had put before him. As Paul says in Philippians 2, verses 5 through 7, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Some translations say he emptied himself, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Jesus took on the nature of a servant. What does it mean that he emptied himself? Well, he became human, but then as a human, he was constantly serving. Come on, meeting the needs of people. How many people as we read through the Gospels were introduced to God? How many people as we read through the Gospels were connected with the destiny God had for them? Come on, that's the blueprint Jesus lays out for us, that we're to live a life of service, that that we can connect people to God through the services we render. So who's the woman at the well in our life? Maybe it's the woman at the water cooler, the man at the coffee pot, come on, the, the friend at the vending machine. These people are all physically thirsty, but they have a spiritual thirst within them for living water, eternal life. Come on, Ecclesiastes said God has put eternity on the hearts of men. Come on, they have a natural thirst for God. Maybe they don't even know it yet, but when you serve them, when you meet a need in their life, that just removes the anxiety, removes the stress. It opens up a door for, for God to move, for God to, to connect with them, for them to enter into a moment of worship, just like the three mighty men provided for David. Who are the Davids in your life? Come on, great opportunities to serve come along once in a while, but small opportunities to serve surround us daily. Come on, any of the, any of the kids that would normally be in kid life, do you have any examples of service? You look like you're itching to say something. Anybody, don't be shy. Come on. I'm going to wait. Here you go, Katie. Help your friends at school. Come on. We have something we want to give away. Nate, I think you got the resources to hook this thing up, but it is a skateboard. Whether she wants to use it, Tyler wants to use it, all y'all want to use it, but... Come on, we're giving that away. Thank you, Katie. But come on, opportunities to serve surround us daily, whether it's serving your wife, kids, serving your parents, just being a hotline, you know, an open ear for somebody who maybe lost a loved one, maybe lost their home. Come on, these are our arenas of service. What Kevin and April did tonight, come on, that was service. Just sharing your talents, sharing your life at a life group, that helps people. That's an arena of service. Come on again. You might not be called to the trenches, but there are places that you can serve daily. <laughs> and there's no, there's no uh, position that's too low to serve or too high. It doesn't matter where you're at. And I'd encourage you that as this church grows, and come on, this is, this is in my mind the smallest it's ever going to be, not because we want numbers, but because as we go through even this summer, come on, rivers of eternal life are going to be touching people. People are going to be coming in because they're thirsty, and we're going to grow, right? Anybody else have faith for that? Well, as we grow, it's not 
Pastor Fred and the leadership's job to serve everyone here fully. That might be a newsflash to some of you. Ephesians 4.12 says that it's the jo- their job to equip the saints, that's all of us, to do the work of service so that the body of Christ can be built up. Come on, we're all called to serve. It's in our DNA. Come on, the gospel. If you say you follow the gospel, but you're not serving, I'd be like, well, what gospel is it you're following? Because the gospel of Jesus Christ is about service. Come on, Jesus put within the DNA of the believer a conduit, come on, a pathway from which living water can flow out of you through a life of service. And come on, Paul talks about this life of sacrifice rendered unto God. He talks about it as our reasonable service. Essentially, it's the least we can do for a God who came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for you, you, me, give his life as a ransom for many. Come on, it's in laying his life down that he picked it back up, resurrected, and ascended. Come on, sometimes we have issues in our life, needs that are emotional, spiritual, that we just wish somebody would recognize, that somebody would see this and serve me. And sometimes when we lay our life down, when we find areas we can serve, maybe other people with the exact same problem, that that living water starts flowing within us, life starts building up within us, and we find the answers, the solutions, the life we need. We see it with Jesus. He laid down his life, and then he picked it back up with our salvation in tow. So I uh, once heard a quote, we can be saved because we've been served. Come on. The gospel is about service. The gospel is about an all-powerful, all-loving God coming to earth to serve us. Come on, Jesus served us to the point of the cross, went to a cave himself, and his stay was worse than David's because he was dead. And he came out the other side with our salvation and eternal life in hand, this, this living water to give us, not so that we can just take it in, take it in, take it in, but so that we can follow his blueprint and let it flow from our lives. Come on, as we celebrate Independence Day, let's not just celebrate the people who have maintained our freedom here physically, but let's celebrate Jesus who, even before them, gave us our spiritual freedom through a life of service. Come on, this summer, as, as the City Life Church, as we go through this series of rivers, let's not forget we're called to serve. Again, this church is going to grow because we serve and because we're outreaching needs, drawing people in so that they can taste and see that the Lord is good. Get a little bit of our living water and then embrace the life that God has for them. Come on. Come on, let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that we are saved by grace through faith. Lord God, we thank you that it's not based on our resume. Lord God, it's not based on our, our service or what we do that we're saved, Lord God. But it's blessed. we're saved because you came, Lord God. You came to serve. And it says in Ephesians 2.10 that we, after we're saved, are called to do the works which you set forth for us to do, Lord God. We want to be faithful in that. We want to be faithful in that as a church. We want to be thankful in that as individuals. And we thank you, God, that as we do that, you're going to build up your body, Lord God. Life is going to flow here at the City Life Church, Lord God. We thank you, Lord. Just open our eyes to the needs that are